All right, cool. So um, we can maybe just get started with some little like basic intros, and then we'll dive into the protocol itself. Maybe uh, we can start with you, Publis, if you're going to do most of the talking, but maybe just a little bit of background on yourself as far as it pertains to crypto and where you fit in in, in the Bean team, like what your role is, what you tackle. Yeah, take it away. Sure. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, and yeah, uh, apologies. Usually I have uh, people on here who... Well, actually, I think I think you guys would know this, but this is Timmy, uh, Tenderman Timmy on the account talking. Didn't fail to introduce myself because usually people know, but apologies. Take it away. No, no worries, brother. And thanks again for having us. So uh, me personally, I'm one third of Publius. Uh, we Publius are collectively the pseudonymous founders of Beanstalk. Uh, Beanstalk was originally founded entirely anonymously, meaning we didn't tell anyone who we were and uh we can get into why we did that and why we thought being anonymous was better for the long-term success of beanstalk uh at this point we're doxed uh the docs was uh one of the results of the april beanstalk exploit uh because of our anonymity a lot of people thought that we were somehow involved in the hack and so we came clean and basically said this is who we are and you know, we didn't have anything to do with it and maybe a little more positive uh, spin on our, our uh, you know, relationship to crypto is that the three of us have been involved in crypto in various capacities for the past five years-ish, maybe even six years now, and uh, have skill sets ranging from uh, economics to, uh, you know, computer science between the three of us. And we're... we're, we're we're all like 25-ish. Cool. And is is Guy one of the three you're talking about? Or is Guy, have you come in after the fact? Yeah, so at this point, there's a huge set of contributors, like in the dozens across a variety of different organizations contributing to Beanstalk. And Guy is one of the contributors to Beanstalk Farms, which is a an open development organization funded by the DAO to work on Beanstalk, but is not... Guy is a separate entity from Publius. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Sweet. So, yeah, let's maybe uh, jump into Beanstalk officially. Uh, Guy, if you want to give a little intro, feel free. I'm just, I'm not sure how much of the talking you want to do tonight. I know you indicated it'll mainly be Publius, but if you'd like, feel free. Actually, yeah, it might... Let Publius do the talking. Okay, cool. It, it might be good real quick to just shout out how Beanstalk Farms fits into it. And you can chill your stuff for a minute. I think you guys also do like spaces, is that correct? Or, or... Well, I guess the, Podcast? The, the quick TLDR on what Beanstalk Farms is, is just, as Publius mentioned, a set of contributors that on a recurring basis uh, propose budgets to the DAO uh, to mint beans to fund development. Publius does not... Uh, work as part of Beanstalk Farms, per se. All the folks that, who have found Beanstalk and contribute to Beanstalk through Beanstalk Farms, uh, you know, just found Beanstalk uh, organically uh, and didn't, didn't found it, per se. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So, yeah, let's dive in. So, maybe a little basic overview of, like, being just uh, at face value. You know, if you were given someone the couple-sentence summary... Uh, and then maybe we can get into a little bit of the history, because from what little I've sort of learned and seen, it looks like currently 
minting is turned off. You guys went through a hack at some point. I know that uh, just like, I think there's a lot of stuff to dig through, but let's start at the highest level, sort of face value for people who aren't sure what Bean is. How would you pitch it or describe it? Okay, so we'll do our best to try to describe Beanstalk in a simple and intelligible fashion. If we lose you anywhere, Timmy, let us know. So yeah, we'll 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 get through all the details with questions. No worries, I'll let you get through. Beautiful. So Beanstalk is an open source uh, protocol that is deployed on the Ethereum network that is designed to issue a low volatility money. Now, cryptocurrency and the general design space for cryptocurrencies has generally moved pretty unanimously in the direction of hard money or store of value optimizations uh, and Bitcoin and Ether, which are uh, by a pretty wide margin, the largest cryptocurrencies at this point, both have monetary policies that significantly optimize for a store of value or number go up dynamics, uh, which is valuable uh, clearly. But when it comes to facilitating economic activity on chain, uh, number go up currencies are not very useful for businesses that need access to loans. And the, the reason for that is if you're a business, you don't want to denominate your liabilities or your loans in something that may 10x in value over the course of the loan. And so given the amount of economic activity today in today's economy, that is a function of credit or loans there is a need to have the ability to borrow money on chain in a competitive fashion to borrowing money off chain. And when we talk about borrowing money, there's the money itself, and then there's the interest rates on the money. And what Beanstalk is an attempt at fundamentally is creating a low volatility money with competitive interest rates compared to other currencies. So whereas most cryptocurrencies are currently designed for number go up, Beanstalk is designed for number stay about the same. And the concept of a stable coin is in and of itself pretty well understood, but other stable coin designs, uh, or at least other stablecoin designs that have been implemented to date, uh, each have a variety of issues with them. Uh, of the successful attempts at stablecoins, the largest ones have both a centralization and censorship issue. Uh, but more than that, they have a fundamental economics issue around collateral, where if you have a stablecoin that is based on collateral, there is some opportunity cost associated with that collateral for locking it up to mint the stable coin. And the punchline is that that opportunity cost, if you have a collateralized stable coin versus an uncollateralized stable coin, makes the interest rates on collateralized money simply non-competitive with interest rates on uncollateralized money. 
And when you consider that today, the majority of economic activity is happening in an uncollateralized money, U.S. dollars, it seems almost impossible to believe that an on-chain collateralized money would be able to compete with off-chain non-collateralized money. And so Beanstalk, again, just just and this has been a little bit of a longer answer than perhaps uh, originally intended uh, or you had asked about. Uh, but the idea is Beanstalk is designed to create low volatility money with competitive carrying costs to current fiat currencies and any other currency that could exist. Okay, awesome. Good, good summary there. So I guess one of the first things I'll, I want to ask to kind of help give me some maybe context or sort of frame going into this discussion. One of the reasons when I saw you guys, uh, I reached out and wanted to do a spaces is because I've always been pretty skeptical of like collateral backed stable coins. Like I, I wouldn't call myself an economist or even like a mathematician, but something has just never sat right about that model with me as far as it just seeming capital inefficient like you're using money to create money in a way it, it hasn't ever added up i just can't totally put my finger on it so i've always been really fascinated by alternatives like luna and ust at the time um and then for the longest time still to now like ample forth is one i keep my eye on and their new like spot token um very kind of open-ended question but like what are what are your thoughts on Ampleforth or how does something like like they're taking a totally different approach to collateral backed, but just so, some of what you were saying there in that description made me think like, oh, this is the language Ampleforth people use. Like it's not necessarily a stable coin, it's low volatility money. Or yeah. Um have you guys like looked into them at all or been inspired or taken anything, or is it really just too fundamentally different to even kind of compare? Well, you can always compare. And yeah, the you know the algo stablecoin space is pr- particularly the design space to date has been pretty limited. So mm-hmm. you know there's definitely a lot to be said about comparing the Beanstalk and Ampleforth models, and Ampleforth has very much been a trailblazer uh, in many regards. And we actually had the the great pleasure of meeting uh, Brandon from Ampleforth recently. And he was a wonderful person. And oh, cool. we, got, we got a chance to uh, hear about what they've been up to and how they're thinking about things with Spot, which we had not totally been up to speed on. Mm-hmm. And I think Spot is a really compelling idea that uh, you have the ability to effectively tranche risk to create lower volatility tranches and that as a concept makes a lot of sense and one could imagine that like button wood tranching model as it's applied to creating low volatility assets in general could definitely be used in DeFi in a lot of ways uh this is a very compelling idea but to get to the thing thing you were mentioning before around the inefficiency of collateral the spot design presents a very open question of which like one of the cool things about being in this space is the market will ultimately decide as to whether 
having a a wrapper around an uncollateralized money such that it creates a lower volatility tranche of that uncollateralized money, whether that is a better base version of a stablecoin than something that is meant to just be lower, like bean volatility versus ample forth volatility will be like bean volatility should be lower based on how the models work. But it's like, well, spot volatility may be lower than bean volatility, but then what are the trade-offs worth it? And you could take the spot tranche model and roll that out on top of Beanstalk as well. And oh, then it's like, well, how, how would the spot tranche Beanstalk work compared to the spot tranche Ampleforth, let's call yeah. it? And so this is like, you know, as people get more jazzed about stable coins as sort of a valid intellectual pursuit and experiment, which post the Terra collapse has been a harder conversation for people to engage in genuinely it seems but it's like as more people try to start participating in a lot of these experiments yeah those are the types of things that people will build these cool ideas and then the market will decide which has the most utility if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense i agree okay cool let's let's definitely like circle back to some of this actually like particularly taking the spot model and applying it to bean but i think first i need a better understanding of uh, beanstalk itself so coming back to the matter at hand um let's maybe just start with kind of like a history because i'm kind of curious like some of the stuff i mentioned earlier so like i know there was an exploit at one point um then someone mentioned recently that minting is currently turned off. I noticed you're very off peg right now. So maybe just kind of a quick run up for whatever you think's a major invented event and like important enough to touch on. But how have we gotten to where we are right now in the Beanstalk life cycle? All right. So we'll try to give a quick summary of the roller coaster that has been the past couple of years. Um, but maybe just to quickly wrap up the the conversation about the collateralized wrapper around an uncollateralized money, I feel like that's sort of like LUSD on Ether. And you don't really get around the capital inefficiency associated with a lockup. So it's unclear if the spot model will actually like solve the capital I'm inefficiency actually, problem. Go ahead. I'm actually not super from what the I'm not familiar with the LUSD model. Is it possible L- to get L-USD like a one or two like a, sentence? LUSD is a make like a maker DAO fork that just uses Ether. So Ether. Is oh, a, I have heard of that. Okay, it's it's liquidity protocol. So there's a non yep. it, it's a non collateralized base money which is Ether that is then being wrapped permissionlessly to create you know a lower volatility tranche. Let's call it, and it's like the spot model probably works better on Ether than the LUSD model does, or maybe it does. But I think we're sort of comparing apples and oranges when it comes to collateralized wrappers versus the uncollateralized base money. So anyways, let's push that aside as you suggested, but just wanted to tie a bow on that for completion. And yeah, that was a good, good wrapper. Talk about um, the history. So we mentioned it briefly before, but we'll, we'll add some, some, some more hopefully helpful color here. So... We, Publius, worked on Beanstalk for about nine months uh, in, in secret, effectively, from November of 2020 
to August of 2021 when we deployed Beanstalk on ETH mainnet. And over the next couple of weeks, we basically tried to anonymously, without a network, get anyone on the internet who we could to look at the project. And it took a couple of weeks. Uh, but in September, so it's like five or six weeks after being deployed, the protocol went viral on crypto Twitter. And we still don't know exactly how that happened. It might have been uh, like a tweet from Sisyphus or something. But the the point is that the bean price went up to $4. And the market cap grew from a couple million uh, up to like $40 million. And so and, uh, let me jump in here. Apologies. So is bean yeah. the actual stable token or is that Correct. something like a governance token? Bean, okay, interesting. Bean is the stable coin. And, and that so went this, to $4. <laughs> correct. So there was so much demand and the, the, the supply was so small at the time because the bean supply was only 100 when it was originally deployed and all bean growth since then has been according to the algorithm. So it's like it starts at basically zero and it's growing. And as it's growing very slowly from zero, it suddenly goes viral on crypto Twitter and explodes. And price goes up to $4 and then ensuingly uh, crashes to 24 cents. And this was five, six weeks after the initial deployment and was the initial test, if you will, for the Beanstalk model. And we haven't really talked about the model and how it is different than like other attempts at algo stables, which maybe we'll get to. But the point is this was the first big test for the model. And it took over a month but the protocol was able to, over time, uh, return the bean price from $0.24 cents to a dollar. And we can get into how all that works at some point, but we're just telling the history. That was really like a zero to one moment for Beanstalk in many ways. Because now there was a community that had participated in this crazy uh, pump and dump. Those that remain had seen the thing go up and go down and... Uh, there was some community with faith in the model at that point. And, and so, wait, uh, and when was that? Yeah. Like relative that, to now? Yeah. Is that about? So that was September and October of 2021. Okay. So about 18 months ago. Yep. And oh, basically that was the, that was the starting point of a wild eight months where Beanstalk had a number of other cycles uh, each less volatile than the last in the grand scheme of things, where you know, around Thanksgiving the price went up again, uh, like above a dollar fifty, I believe, and then back down to eighty cents. Uh, there have been a couple oscillations since then over months-long periods of time. One of which, as you commented and uh, work commented about, work the system is currently in at the moment. Uh, is a period of downside volatility. But the point is that at a high level, this is not like the volatility itself is not the indication of a problem. It's the problem that has always been there that the system has to be able to solve, if that makes sense. So it's like each of these deep pegs, whether it's up or down, it's an open question as to how can the system respond. And so the 
first nine months history of Beanstalk from deployment until the exploit in April of 22 was a series of growth cycles and debt cycles, each of which lasted a couple months. And over those couple months, the system grew from a supply of 100 beans to a little over 100 million beans at the time of the exploit. And so as a, and it is worth saying, like, from the time until the model was deployed until the exploit, there were a, a large variety of improvements to the protocol that were implemented by the DAO. So part of the roller coaster of those nine months was that there would be an inefficiency discovered in the model and practice, and then there would be a plan to fix the inefficiency that would then get implemented and then voted on, proposed, voted on by the DAO, and then most of the time implemented. And so it was like a very radically quick-paced period of experimentation, which culminated in getting to a point where the model was really, you know, firing on all cylinders, if you will. And the health of the system at the moment, the block before the exploit, was by far the best state of the system up until that point. And then the okay, let's yeah, yeah. Ahead. So let's take a pause before we get to the exploit. I think I think about now. I think we should actually dive into the actual system, and then we can kind of keep going. And I'll probably understand the exploit better then. So, uh, what might be the normal first question on another like podcast or interview? Uh, let's just talk about like how Bean actually works, like how this system you keep referring to, the algorithm, etc. Yeah, how it all functions. All right, so it'll be hard to cover all of it because it's not yeah. the simplest thing in the world, but we'll try to, we're happy to go as deep as you want, but we'll keep it high level to start. Cool. So beans are credit-based money. Fundamentally, if you are using beans or holding beans, the assumption that you are making is that Beanstalk as an issuer of the money will remain credit worthy. What that means is that Beanstalk will be able to borrow money from the open market in order to reduce the price volatility of beans. So if you think that at some point in the future, Beanstalk will be able to borrow money from the market to return the price to its peg, then you're sort of assuming that Beanstalk is credit worthy and that credit worthiness is the fundamental thing that gives beans their value because when the bean price is too high, it's quite simple. Beanstalk can just mint new beans and then distribute them at, you know, as, as defined by the algorithm, if you will. But then on the other hand, when the price is too low, beanstalk needs a way to decrease the supply of beans. And so the fundamental like the core peg maintenance piece of the puzzle is the ability for Beanstalk to borrow beans from the market. So, Oh, so it's almost similar to Ampleforth in that part of the uh, like stabilization comes from not exactly rebasing in the way they do, but like in changing the amount of circulating bean. Correct. The, yeah. the, the difference with Ampleforth on the rebasing front is that if you're a user of a bean, 
you will never have that being taken it's not from gonna you. change yeah um but you can voluntarily elect to forfeit your beans by lending them to the system which will then burn the beans in exchange for debt from beanstalk and that debt pays some interest rate or multiple which we can okay. get into the specifics but the point is that yeah, so the- my my next question was actually going to be so let's dive into that that like lending and borrowing part so the way you describe bean is like uh at some point in the future, the Beanstalk protocol, or you're making the assumption that at some point in the future, the Beanstalk protocol will be able to borrow money from the open market to uh, back those beans or supply them. Or, 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 actually, or I'm not sure exactly. So let's just dive into that part. So like, what do you mean exactly by borrow money from the open? Like, where's that money coming from? Um, how does, what does that mean exactly? So the simplest way to think about borrowing money is you're selling debt, you're selling an asset. And the question is around the features of that asset and how they make it more or less likely for the market to be willing to buy that asset from you, if that makes sense. So if you want to map Beanstalk to something like Terra, which it does generally map to, the concept is, the the Luna asset, uh, in the case of that that system, was the thing that was being sold in order to provide value to the to the holders of the stablecoin in some capacity. Yeah, and like there's a, a lot of nuanced differences between Luna and the debt of Beanstalk, but you can think about it fundamentally as the system has to. Uh, or maybe not has to. In Beanstalk's case, it actually doesn't have a hard peg promise. So it doesn't have to sell the debt, which is very important. But the point is, in general, the system wants to sell some asset. What is the best price that the system can get for selling that asset? And the interesting thing is that, particularly given the nature of like a bank run or a DPEG, there's some concept of, and, and you're doing it through a smart contract, the market, if the incentives created by the asset sale are not perfect, the market will eat up the asset, if that makes sense. And so the like what happened with Terra in practice is that the structure of the sale of the asset that in practice was Luna was such that there was a tragedy of the commons to buy uh luna at the moment that the system needed you to buy luna so it's like when there's a terra dpeg the number one thing that uh terra needs is for there to be demand for luna like that's Mm -hmm. the asset that the system needs to liquidate the fundamental value proposition is like or the assumption is there will be demand for luna if that makes sense yeah the the whole thing was like if there are buyers for luna ust would hold its peg that was the sort of in the same way, it's like, well, if there's demand to buy Beanstalk debt, then it will it will stay uh, – there, there will be the ability to create low volatility. And so it's a really important thing to get into, okay. which is so, like – But Beanstalk debt from yeah. what? From Bean itself or are there well, other assets involved the, in this system? Yeah, this is where we're going. So the – Okay, cool. The, this is great. So the, 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 the fundamental thing to get into – 
is the difference between something like equity and debt. So Luna as a token really mapped to equity. So it's this fungible equity token that is receiving some revenue in a network, sort of like equity in a company. And set, totally separate from discussions around securities laws, the point is if, if Microsoft, which has the, some of the most consistent revenues as a company, had an outstanding stablecoin balance that was convertible to their equity of $10 trillion, you would still have the same run on the bank happen that happened with Terra because the, the fungible equity token during the bank run, there's no bid for it. And that's because of the fungibility. Like at the margin during the bank run, uh, there's like a question. Do you participate in the bank run or do you catch the knife? And fungibility basically creates this catching the knife problem where – and there's also the, like the future revenue expectations that make it very hard to price all of this. And so in practice, no one was willing to catch the knife. The, the fundamental difference between equity and credit is that unlike equity, which cannot scale to trillions per the Microsoft thing, uh, credit actually scales infinitely because the more credit that Beanstalk pays back, the more credit worthy it becomes. And that is a positive feedback loop where the credit of the system can ultimately grow to trillions of dollars. But when it comes to catching the knife or creating incentives for the debt to catch the knife, there is actually another asset in the system called pods, which is the debt asset of Beanstalk. So mechanically, if you lend beans to Beanstalk, uh, you receive pods. And at some point in the future, those pods then become redeemable for more beans. Now, when it comes to trying to create the incentive. Wait, can, can you literally yeah. just say that again? Just the relationship, just, yeah, literally repeat that yeah. last sentence. So you, just... If you have beans, you can lend the beans to Beanstalk and you receive pods. At some point in the future, each pod will become redeemable for one bean. Inch? Okay. Okay. So I, and that's where new beans, beans coming into existence come from? Well, well, new beans are minted based on demand for beans. So if the price of beans are too high, only then are beans minted. And then some of those newly minted beans are distributed to paying off debt. Oh, so, okay. So when new beans are minted, some are used to like mature those pods into beans, whereas others are used for, or where do they go? Into the so, protocol itself? No, so, there, so there's, this is where the, there's two halves of the protocol. So okay. we've so far been talking exclusively about the lending and the credit side of the protocol, which, which is where it gets its like beans get their fundamental value from, from a theoretical economics perspective, which, you know, to like a new audience, feel like it's important to start from a, like, here's where the theoretical value yeah, comes for from. Sure. And do want to just say, we know we haven't really gotten into how the pod structure economically is better than the Terra equity, but we can re we can return to that uh, if, if if you find it valuable. Don't want to just want to kind of say that we know we haven't answered that. So it's not to say like we don't have an answer, but 
happy to take no worries yeah this is a lot to take in so happy happy to to, kind of go with it as it comes just from a credibility perspective just want to caveat like we you know we're happy to go in the direction of the silo but you know uh just want to say like there's a lot to be said about the economics of pods which yeah you know we're happy to do at some point so anyways the other half of the system is the silo which you can sort of think of as the bank of the system which is the part of the system that uh, goes through bank runs. And so like any stable coin protocol can have a bank run. The silo, you know, counterintuitively is like the bank layer that is introduced to create incentives to limit bank runs. So like the system itself has bank runs because it's a non-collateralized money. The silo is the like the anti-bank what, what run is- bank. What is a bank run in Bean's case? Would that just be people selling Bean? Correct. It, it, Correct. Okay. Yep. Like people getting out of the system quick. Yeah. Whatever. Reason. Okay. Cool. Which has happened many times. You know, it's like a, the four dollars to twenty four cents drop was the most extreme, but there have been a number of yeah you know, mini runs. Okay, and... I want to let you just keep going, honestly, but just to make sure I'm following you up until yes, this point. Please. Like, the the one sentence, like, I'm trying to distill everything down is beans are almost... Oh, I had it in my head a second ago. It's still, it's still all the pieces are still kind of slowly falling together. It's well, something where if you, if you buy into the system, if you purchase beans, you are incentivized to do so because you get more beans down the road through pod i'm not necessarily asking a question i'm kind of thinking out loud here because i am i'm now starting to really see the similarities to terra different for sure but i'm seeing the yeah the parallel let's say the value proposition is that beans are better money to use than uh you know, Bitcoin or Ether or any other currency because it has low volatility and competitive carrying costs. At yeah. that point, people may want to use the currency because it's a great currency. But to sort of get to zero to one to have the currency, you need the model itself to create endogenous value. So there's definitely some circularity in value to get the system started where like the system has to be able to contain itself so that like what that process you were describing of people wanting to buy beans to like have more beans in the future. You can think of that as like the bootstrapping phase where there's some set of early adopters where before there is real utility in the currency, recognize the potential for utility in the currency and want to, you know, take a chunk of that, uh, you know, future system, let's call it. And that's the, you know, that's where we're like, that's why someone might want to get involved at this point is, you know, the potential for it, I mean, it's hard to see beans being like super useful today, to be totally frank, uh, just based on the state of DeFi. And so it's like, well, why would someone want to buy debt from the system? Because they see the potential of it in the future. But we still haven't gotten to the silo, which is where like, most users would probably interact with Beanstalk. I, you know, that's the bank. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah, so the the other half of the system, other than the the field, the credit facility where the lending happens, is called the silo, which is the bank. 
and users can deposit whitelisted tokens into the silo, beans and various LP tokens that beans trade against, uh, that they receive two uh, additional tokens upon deposit into the silo. So if you deposit a bean into the silo, uh, you receive uh, stock and seeds. Stock is the governance token, which entitles you to a vote in the system. And it's also the, it also entitles you to a share of all future bean mints. So and so I was going to ask, I was going to yeah. ask earlier, actually, so are all of the bean stock core contracts controlled by a DAO that stock is a part of, or, or the governance token for, is that how it works? Correct. Okay. Which is to, to circle back on the exploit, the, that was ultimately how Beanstalk was attacked was that there was a 51% attack on stock. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. We've recently had some similar exploits in the cosmos with DAOs that came through such a simple sort of attack vector. Yeah. Cool. We'll definitely cover the exploit, but um, feel free to keep going on silos. So when, when you deposit, you get stock and seeds. The stock entitles you to a vote on governance and a portion of all future bean mints. So when the beans are minted, uh, some go to paying off debt and some go to paying stockholders. And you can think of depositing in the silo as like a passive risk-free rate of return of the system. Or just for holding your app, you're already holding beans. You're already holding the exposure to the system. Just for leaving your assets in the silo, you receive some yield. Now, why does Beanstalk want you to leave your assets in the silo? It's again that the silo allows for the imposition of like anti-bank run incentives on top of this. So where does this come in? This is the seeds. So you receive stock and you receive seeds when you deposit. The seeds yield more stock over time, linearly. And there's a rule that the, the silo enforces that when you withdraw from the silo, when you withdraw your deposit from the silo, you have to forfeit all of the stock and all of the seeds associated with that deposit. So you only get the stock for as long as you keep the underlying deposit in the system. And the fact that you get more stock over time creates this opportunity cost in the form of the stock that you would have to forfeit for leaving and coming back. So in the moment of a bank run, when you're faced with this fundamental question of there's this risk to the system, do I leave and maybe come back later? Or do I stick it out and wait it out? And what the stock that has grown from the seeds does is create an opportunity cost associated with leaving and coming back that can be like explicitly calculated economically such that like participating in a bank run or not is something that you can calculate for yourself. And therefore, while it cannot prevent a bank run, it creates a real efficiency around bank runs that it both like exacerbates them to happen quickly and limits the extent of them very much so. And we're happy to get into more of the like reasons how the, the opportunity cost plays that out. But 
like this is the fundamental reason why the silo exists is to create this stickiness in the system when the bank runs, which are inevitable, ultimately happen, that Beanstalk can create some reason not to leave and come back, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay, yeah. We'll definitely dig into that a little more. Real quick, though, so one thing that you kind of lost me with is, are pods different from seeds? If yes. so, I think I missed I missed what seeds are and how they fit in. So there's bean, pod, so bean, which is the stable coin, pods, which are sort of a uh, guarantee of beans in the future, yes. uh, stock, which is the governance token, and then seeds yield more stock over time. Oh, interesting. Is that sort of like um, like most most tokens that you stake in just crypto systems give you like more of them over time? Is that sort of your answer to that? Like since, you know, that just being a DAO token doesn't inherently do that? Or is there kind of... So, oh, no, I see. I guess it probably... I see. It also plays into... The only reason that it exists at all is to create yeah. the opportunity cost. Like seeds, you can really think of as an abstraction of like how much stock do you get for, per season, per hour, um, uh, for having your assets deposited in the silo. So like seeds are an abstraction that helps you think about like earning oh, stock. Oh, interesting. How many seeds do I have? Well, how much stock am I earning? But it's like the seeds themselves are an abstraction for growing stock. But what now, ha- this might be a dumb question, but what if what if I like sold my seeds or sent them elsewhere yeah, but then left my other assets question. in the silo? Yeah. That's a great question. So currently, because this is technically complex to account for, yeah. Uh, there has yet to be a liquid seed implementation. So oh. currently all stock and all seeds are linked to your deposit. It's like a deposit. Sort of soul bound in a way. Omnibus. Deposit bound. Tra- yeah, deposit bound. Right. But one so of you the, could. Yeah, this is one of the major upgrades that's being worked on over the next you know, couple quarters is going to be stock and seed liquidity. Separating out oh. that deposit into three different assets. Interesting. Okay. To what benefit? More economic efficiency. But it feel it feels like stock and seed go absolutely hand in hand. Like it's almost well, like if everything you goes a... hand in hand. But what you want is liquidity at every layer of the system, because the more liquidity you have, and the more ability for like independent actors in the in the but system so, like, to if take it's, specific if it's bets, just sort of in a if it's just sort of an if seeds are sort of just a way to an abstraction of like your growth potential from being like in the so, silo. So are beans, so are pods. Like everything, this is like the cool thing about composable tech. Like whether something is a tradable token or not is sort of like just. So I guess better question. The abstraction. Better question: Why separate that functionality? Why, why have both stock and seeds when you could just make it so that when stock is deposited, it you get more of it over time? Like what? I think the the reason for that choice might not help just me have understand. stock rebase. What do you mean? Well, you're saying like if you have stock, you get more stock over time. Yeah, because that's essentially what yes. seed does. Great right? question. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like this... I'm thinking of I'm in the cosmos mindset, right? So all of our stuff's proof of yes. stake. It's it's two functions combined into one token. I'm yeah. with you. 
So this has to do with creating economics that do not overly, uh, they create the opportunity cost we're talking about without making it such that earlier entrances in the system or early entrance in the system have an unfair advantage over later entrance. So the issue is that if you have stock yielding more stock, that effectively becomes exponential growth on your stock. Whereas what we want is linear growth in your stock. And the reason for that is that let's say that you came in a month ago and you've got X grown stocks, you've got some bonus. And now I come in. So you've got X bonus over me. After another month, you will have 2X and I will have 1X bonus. Yeah. So yep. you're re- like the over and then we'll go to three basic 2X. compounding. Like yeah. the, re- the relative advantage you have over me for starting earlier trends to zero over time. But individually, we are all still faced with this opportunity cost. So but people still have the opportunity to kind of do that sort of compounding, right? They could take or in the future when you add like liquidity pairs and make them liquid people could take the stock that they get from holding seeds and like sell that to get more seeds or just deposit yep. in the system or vice to get more. They can, they can yeah. prioritize. Vice, yep. Because when you're thinking about it, it's even more complex. When you hold stock, you get paid more beans, right? When the beans are minted. And when you get mm-hmm. paid beans, those beans come with stock and seed. So there's an open question of like, should you hold stock or should you hold seeds? And the benefit of holding one or the other has to do with like from an efficient economics perspective, your estimation of the time over which the beans will be minted. Because if you think that the beans mm-hmm. are going to get minted immediately, you want more stock. If you think that the seeds are going to get minted, uh, excuse me, the beans are going to get minted over time. You want the seeds because then you'll get more stock that will then yield more beans. Yes. Okay. Okay, gotcha. And so when my stock is in the silo, is that when I can use it to like vote? Is the silo also a DAO or is it an either or thing? The silo is the DAO. And okay. like the stock, particularly since it's not currently liquid, like only exists within the silo oh, as true. a concept. Right. But even if it were liquid, like you can do whatever you want. You can go stake your stock somewhere else. But in theory, you would still at least, you know, one can assume you'd probably still have your governance rights. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it it is a little bit different than DAOs like I might think of them, where you have to... Well, of course it is right now, because it's just sort of lives wholly within the silo. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm more or less with you so far. So you deposit cool. value in the silo, and you get stock and seeds, you get to participate in the DAO, you get all this yield that is... You know, it's a little complex, but it's got this really elegant economics to it, or what we what we hope are elegant economics that uh, create the right incentives around bank runs, if that makes sense. So you've got the just to summarize, you have the field, which is the lending facility, which creates like the the theoretical fundamental underlying driver of demand for beans and its stability, and then you have the silo where everyone can take their beans and deposit them to part like earn passive interest. And if we go back to, you know, you ask like, what is beans at the beginning? Or what is beanstalk? The goal is to create a low volatility money with competitive carrying costs. So the low volatility really comes from the field fundamentally. And then the competitive carrying costs come from the ability to deposit while you're holding the money. You're already taking the risk 
of holding exposure to Beanstalk, you can then put your money into Beanstalk, into the silo, and earn the risk-free interest rate, if that makes sense. So it's like, it would be like if your dollars, your US dollars, came with the federal funds rate or something. Okay. I have to, so I have to be honest, it's funny. This is completely different from what my guess or what I was expecting. Like when I saw stablecoin backed by credit, I was thinking you guys might have built something off of like Mink, uh, Maker or Ave or some like existing lending protocol where the the debt or the the credit for certain assets was like backing. Um so this is definitely throwing me for a loop. Um but but I'm I'm getting a clearer picture, so maybe let's actually zoom out and kind of go back to the beginning now that I have a, a much better understanding, honestly, um, and just go back to like the kind of core question. And you can answer this however you want. I think like I'll be more able to follow along. So if a new, whether it's an investor or let's say a regulator comes to you and they're just like, so what is Bean backed by? Like why does Bean have a value? I think that's obviously the golden question of any stable coin. So let's just return to that question and try and walk me through that. And I might jump in and like nitpick and stuff, but that's just how I'm going to figure this all out. Sure. So beans are worth whatever the market says they're worth. So yep. what that means in practice is like whatever people are going to buy and sell beans for, really buy whatever price they're going to buy them for, uh, you can think of it as like the one way to, to think about where does the value come from. Well, people are willing to buy it at this price. It's got that yep. value. Now, yep. why would anyone want to buy it at any price? Well, there's some like risk-adjusted return that you can take for participating in the system based on your analysis of you know the likelihood of the bean supply increasing to a certain amount over a certain period of time and that's where the value of a bean comes from okay so then my 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 follow-up question there would be i don't understand how just assuming there will be more of something in the future gives it any value i do follow you with like you know, the only reason anything has any value obviously just comes from people buying it. You know, perfect yeah, example is Tether. It, Nobody it, has it, any idea what backs it, where the dollars are, but so long as people are down to buy it for a dollar, it effectively is. So um, when you put it that way, like it, it is as stupid simple as that, but like Beanstalk is a little more sophisticated. So the like logic train works as the beans have value mm-hmm. if people... Uh, if there is demand for pods, pods have value. If there is some future um, demand for beans exceeding some amount, because each pod becomes redeemable for a bean at an exact supply. So, you know, like this pod at this bean supply will become worth a bean. So the concept is the demand for pods comes from that calculation of like, what is the, time uh weighted likelihood or the likelihood over time of the bean supply reaching x and that is non-zero like um, it could be zero that would be what it means for the system to go bankrupt but it's like that's the that is the dynamic like beans are valuable because there's demand for pods pods are valuable because there's 
potentially demand for beans. Beans are valuable because there's demand for pods. So it is very circular and it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah. Cause like, I'm, I'm very much enjoying this combo um, and you seem super intelligent, but obviously that sounds super Ponzi ish. Like that, that just like at sort of circular like that, like, so there's no, the only four tokens or the only tokens involved in the beanstalk system are your own. There's no like real money coming in anywhere or do well, people this is have the to... liquidity, right? So there is, you can deposit liquidity pool tokens in the silo. Or let me ask this actually, if I yeah. just as a, an outsider right now, if I want to get some beans, I assume a, obviously I could buy it on like Uniswap, I assume, right? Uh, curve at the moment, but sure. Cur- okay. Curve. Yep. Um, or how, how would I get them through like using the system? That is that is getting them through the system. The only way in is to buy them on the open market. Correct. You can't like take some asset to the protocol or the silo and do anything to get beans. Correct. This is actually okay. one of the, the reasons why... Uh, like, that actually practice. kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. People, people have like a hard time with this, particularly like VCs, where it's like, well, what... Wait, how do we buy yeah, the thing? It's because like, it's yeah, not even like you guys the are the one selling them on Curve. It's no just one's you selling guys. It. It's just yeah. It's, it's the system. The it's literally the market. It's right. It's the market. So this. Well, is like actually, no. Here is a question: Does like yeah, go for it. Does the Beanstalk protocol itself actually participate in Curve and lend, or is it all your users? It's just users, and they're not even our users. It's Beanstalk's users, but it's just the protocol. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. The protocol is totally neutral. Like it doesn't. So wait, how did those people get beans in the first place? Then they bought. They bought them. Well, the first one hundred, but like, yeah, a hundred you... beans were minted when the protocol was deployed, and since and just then, like airdropped or kept with the team, and like then you sold them, and it kind of the, grew from there. The, Pub- the Publius wallet deployed the contract, uh, got the hundred beans, and then deployed the initial liquidity. So it matched the hundred beans with ether and deployed the okay. initial liquidity to see the system. And everything has gone from there. Okay, okay. Yeah, that is a bit of a mind fuck, but I am following. Zero to one, baby. Zero to one. So the right. So literally, like with the way the system's designed, if yeah, if you guys hadn't manually given yourself those hundred initial beans and put them on the open market. Uh, it like couldn't have grown. It's a closed loop system outside of that one like starting point, right? Correct. That is the setup. Okay. And from there, everything blossomed. So it was like that was August Interesting. 2021, 100 beans. And over the next nine months, it grew to like, uh, you know, $100 million, uh, 100, uh, 107 million beans or something, and like $77 million in liquidity. So it was like a $200 million inflow, if you will. Yeah, this one must be a real hard pitch to VCs, huh? Yeah, they don't like it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can participate like everybody else. Welcome to the club. They're like, what? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, it's making sense, but I also still absolutely don't understand it. Like, what's the guarantee that anyone would want to buy them in the future? Because saying There's the no guarantee, guarantee. Right. No guarantee. But like, again, you could say that with anything technically. Yep. <laughs> but most things have a likelihood that they would because they provide some sort of ex- like external value. 
But I guess in your Some case, utility. that value might be the utility of being a stable coin. Like if people simply want that to exist bad enough, that is it's the incentive to keep the system going kind of? Total, totally correct. And it is a, mm. like, it is a circular loop. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. But like, that is what it means to create endogenous value. Like that is what it means to create something that is internally valuable in and of itself. Like Bitcoin makes the same assumption. The Bitcoin network is only secure if people hold value in Bitcoin. Wait, so does that also mean in a way like outside of something like the stock exploit, which is just like kind of a almost simple, just 51% thing. Like, is there no real way to financially attack Bean? Because like an outside no, you can. Investor... You can buy you can buy a huge chunk in the system, start a growth cycle, and then dump all of it and start a, a debt cycle. But that's all you can do. You can buy in. So okay, so what that would look like is I would just go to curve. I would get a shitload of bean. I would put those in a silo to get wait. Yes. Yes? Yes? Okay. To get like seed and stock, and then in the future when I recruit a bunch of beans, from you just that, pump the price. Dump it. The price is now up. The system's printing. Yeah. All that stock will now yield you more beans, and everyone else will get more beans too. Right. But the point is, you then dump everything that you just bought, and that you know money comes in, money goes out, price went up, price went down, and actually that happens all the time, like all the time. Like that's the okay. That's that's the thing yeah. that happens. People come in. They leave, you know, depending on size, there's a certain amount of volatility, but like, that's the model. That's exactly okay, what's so happening. Okay, so I think so far we've kind of focused, or at least it, maybe it's just in my mind, a lot of these examples we've been talking through have been like, sort of single events, like whether when you look at your chart, there's, you know, that one crazy spike, the drop, the return, this example we just went through. But can you maybe break down what's been going on like the past few months? Because when you look at your chart, it looks like just a slow trickle below, like away from $1 down to, I think yeah. you're in like the 80 cent range right now. So like, I think it's like 92 eight. cents, although it could be in the 80s. Oh, okay. It, yeah. it might be. Exact, exact price doesn't actually matter, right? In this case, it's like, well, like, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a and when you cycle. say that, you mean right now right yeah, like long like term if, if the price stayed at in the 80s forever that would not be that good. would actually well actually that would be fine because that would effectively be stable but uh, you know good better best it's like that's not really the goal um if right. it can keep the price at 80 cents it should be able to keep the price at a dollar yes it's well designed. yes so it's like but it's okay so tech. yeah so what's been going on the past couple months and then also with that walk me through like what the system is doing to try and yeah like repeg yeah. So let's resume the timeline. So exploit happens in April. All Perfect. the liquidity that is trading against beans is stolen. So the value of beans, like the market price, comes from the liquidity in the AMMs that it's trading against. $77 million trading against beans at the time of the exploit, that goes to zero. There's now no value trading against beans. The bean price goes to zero. So the beans are all, there's 100 million beans. They're all worthless. We go back to, the fundamental assumption that a user of Beanstalk is making is that the system is credit worthy. What does that mean? It means that the system is going to be able to borrow money from the market. So what is the natural response to, you know, the ultimate bank run, if you will? It's to issue debt to try to recapitalize the system. So it took about four months for Beanstalk to be turned back on and a 
like a recapitalization uh, to be structured and agreed upon by the Dow and implemented. But exploit happened in April. In August, uh, actually on the one-year anniversary of the deployment of Beanstalk, uh, Beanstalk was turned back on. And while there was about $77 million of value stolen, uh, only about 20% of it uh, was originally recapitalized, uh, which was good, not great. Um, It was turned back on in August. Uh, There was initially a little bit of that money coming in and then money going out phenomenon and volatility. But basically, uh, the system has just been chilling out for the most part since there's some initial price discovery and movement of assets, um, you know, between parties after the system was turned back on and there was price discovery. Um, At this point, the system is sort of in an equilibrium state. Uh, where there's no like nothing really happening and from a like demand changing or people pricing things changing and so there is very little money coming in and very little money coming out and in a in a vacuum you'd expect then the price to stay the same but as you observe the price has been coming down slightly so there is uh the dow uh like has decided through governance to mint beans uh, to fund development of Beanstalk. So Beanstalk Farms is one of those organizations that has been funded by the Dow. And the majority of like sell pressure over the past six months has come from people that have been paid in beans to work on beans that are liquidating a portion of those beans. And so it's like the system is generally in like a an equilibrious, equilibrium state, except for like there is some new like marginal supply coming from the payment to contributors, which is getting sold. So that has resulted in the price coming down slightly. So I, I think what you've effectively done is like created a closed loop system that can only be as big as the net amount of money in versus money out. But at the same time, doing it in a way so that when many money goes in, it doesn't actually go into the system. Like it just goes into some private wallet to be used like wherever else in the ethereum ecosystem like is that kind of an accurate assessment am i understanding this right well i think because like so so the the price trickling down right now comes from the simple fact that there is more money leaving the system than coming in right now which is just like how any closed loop system works but what's the, the interesting part that took me a while to get my head around is for money to go into the system money doesn't actually go into the system. Like if I was selling, but it does in, it does in a way. Because when you buy the beans with Ether, let's call it, or 3Curve, mm-hmm. you're like adding 3Curve to the system, to the liquidity pool. Yeah, but okay. Actually, stock- I guess the part I was maybe missing is you yeah. have to consider the curve pool as part of the core bean system. Well, it's like, so it's, like this, this is actually the thing you were saying around like taking it in a private wallet. Like, you as a user still own your liquidity pool tokens, right? But like those tokens are serving a communal value by providing liquidity to people to buy and sell the beans. That's the part I think I was kind of missing, right? So like, even though it is not part of your contracts, when talking about the bean system, 
any LP pools you're part of, in this case, just Curve, is like a fundamental part of this. So if you actually, if you want to answer the question to someone who's like, where is the money in the system that's backing it? You can kind of just say in the Curve LP pool. Like that's Correct. where you can tell. Yeah, okay. Okay. Correct. But it's not backing it. It's more to say no. it's backing it because it's not collateral that can be redeemed. But it's, it's, it's literally something just in liquidity. the system. Yes, liquidity. liquidity. That's a better it's word. Liquidity. Yep. It's like this is, yeah, what can I get for it? Well, what's the liquidity? There's right. no redemption value. It's just a liquidation value. And the liquidity comes from the AMMs. Okay, cool. Okay, so that makes sense. To, so to resume, maybe just to wrap up, like what's going on at the moment. Yep. So Beanstalk is like, up and running, but the on-chain governance, which was exploited, has been removed. Um, there are, in addition to re-implementing on-chain governance to get to like a fully permissionless system again, uh, there are some additional economic improvements that can be made to the model. And, you know, they're all of varying levels of complexity and uh, in terms of like economics and technical implementation. And so there's you know, marginal benefits to each of them, some more beneficial than others. But the point is there's like a huge set of developers and community working on designing and uh, implementing upgrades to Beanstalk itself. And we as like the initial founders feel very lucky to get to participate with an incredible group and figuring a lot of that stuff out and, and, and implementing it, which has really been a rewarding thing for us. But at this point, like the scope of the work that the Beanstalk community is engaged in has expanded dramatically because the integration of Beanstalk with, with DeFi such that beans can actually start to be used is going to be a pretty big project. And one of the reasons for that, maybe just to, to, to give one, is that DeFi doesn't really support 1155 tokens and the non-fungibility of silo deposits and pods uh, makes them, you know, they'll likely be implemented as 1155s. And so in order to get, you know, Beanstalk assets to be tradable and borrowable in DeFi, there's a need to implement a lot of DeFi native or DeFi primitives that support 1155s natively. So uh, a lot of, there's a lot of cool development work happening on, like a, a zero fee composable DEX where you can compose like an arbitrary pricing function with uh, an arbitrary on-chain Oracle, uh, stuff like that. There's a lot of cool development happening, not just on Beanstalk as a, a an issuer of money, but around Beanstalk that should be, you know, generally positive contributions to the the, the EVM. Yeah, actually, I noticed, I think, which one of your bios was it? Someone's bio in the Beanstalk community. Oh, where was it? Oh, yeah, Beanstalk Farms. Um, working on Beanstalk money and EVM pipeline. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, oh, shit, what was I going to ask? Yeah, okay. So I had... So, like, I'm just on app.bean.money right now. Um, and like, I have a few questions just about what I'm seeing here. I think the first one would be, and this could just be a simple, like chart, just not set up right thing. Um, because like the, the liquidity chart basically looks like a flat line. Um, why does the, 
like market cap chart looks so different from the price chart. Like how has the market cap been dropping in the way that it looks like on on this graph here when the price has not been dropping same? Are there beans being destroyed? Like is the circulating amount of beans going down somehow? So let me try to pull up the it the could literally just be about. yeah. But um the short answer is when beans are sown, they do actually they do get the destroyed. Mar the market cap chart just looks very like choppy. Like there are obviously big sell events or big buy events, but then you know the the price chart, for example, it's kind of a flat line, but it looks far smoother, like it's a smooth trend down. And so that just makes me wonder about circulating supply. Um, yeah, the punchline is that I believe the jumps in market cap have come from some of those BIPs, Beanstalk Improvement Proposals, that mint beans to fund development, for example. Okay, yep. And so it's like if you, if you normalize for that, it would likely look a lot closer to the price line. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm thinking Sweet. Lot, and then, but I think that's what that is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to tell just because the the price chart and the liquidity chart, the, the y-axis doesn't seem to like auto-adjust. So they basically look like flat lines. Um, so they could actually be similar and I just can't really see it. Um, my second question just on here though is, is there a fifth token in the system or is this just like nomenclature for something when we say unripe bean? Is that just sort of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we we haven't even talked about the barn. So there's the field, the credit oh, facility, boy. the silo, which is the bank, and then the barn, which is the recapitalization facility. So we mentioned that there was this whole plan to recapitalize the system after the exploit. There was a new facility, which should be a, hopefully a one-time temporary recapitalization facility that actually has a number of additional assets to it that, you know, I'll throw out the names just for memes, but we probably shouldn't get into because it it's only so substantive. There's fertilizer, there is sprouts, and then there is unripe deposits. I guess ripe assets underneath the deposits. So it's a little cockamamie, but it's a... Uh, Okay, so I think one of the reasons that caught my eye, the, the biggest number here on the bean supply is unripe bean three-curve LP token. Yeah. So, like, do you want to try and break that down for me? Sure. So, the like, let's look at these four numbers. There's yeah, 35 million beans... 26 and change million bean three curve LP, 76 million unripe beans, and 119 million unripe bean three curve LP. Uh -huh. The unripe beans and unripe LP basically map, basically, this isn't perfect, but it basically maps to the assets before the exploit. So there's about $200 million in market cap before the exploit there's about $200 million in unripe assets. So if you had a, a bean worth of value uh, before the exploit, you've now got a bean worth of unripe assets. It may be bean or bean three curve LP, uh, depending on what you held and what you've been doing since. 
But the point is that the unripe assets are tokens that represent ownership of beans before the exploit. Oh. Those unripe assets are entitled to uh, some portion of uh, the the assets that have been lent to Beanstalk to recapitalize the system. And so it's okay. like the, the unripe assets map to some value that they can claim, uh, which is a function of the first two values, the amount of beans that currently, currently exist and the bean three curve LP that currently exists. So if you look so at... So when you say... Yeah, so this yeah. is like a temporary thing, right? This is not something that would exist if it weren't for the exploit. This isn't right. like a core part of the system long-term. Gotcha. And it's something that you would expect around $2 billion or so for the system to effectively... Um, to, you know, to gradually... Actually, out. it's it's kind of interesting that you wouldn't have something like this had the exploit not happened because should you guys succeed in the long term a you have this thing should ever should you know this system should something ever happen again but then b obviously you've just proven that the system is resilient enough to withstand an exploit of that magnitude exactly and this is actually the same counterintuitive logic that applies like to right now you know it's like the system is at 92 cents which you described as like a way off peg but it's like which is fair it is true it's way off peg but on the other hand Compared to $0.24, cents, it's actually not way off peg. Compared to $0.80, cents even, it's not that bad. And in the context of a, let, Grant, and this may be wrong, but Grant that at some point the system starts churning again, mm-hmm. every second that it's spent here below peg for an extended period of time should be good data for people to have confidence in the system the next time around. Yeah, right. Like it is proven it can spend this long under peg and it's not. And credit Inherently is like a, a faith-based system. It's a faith-based system. So the idea that there is data that should lead reasonable people to have faith is like, you know, this is the, it's counterintuitive, but it's like, yeah, not being perfect is actually what the system wants. And this is why maybe to sort of like wrap up the comparison with most other stables, it's like Beanstalk doesn't make any promise about the value of beans, whereas Terra made a promise about the value of UST. And like, once you break the buck the first time and you have this promise, the model is always fucked. Yes. So there becomes like this, there becomes a way to fuck the model. It's like, well, if you get to this, you know, point, or then you like, it's a, it's a shelling point where after that, like everything collapses by by saying there is no promise about the bean price, the bean price can be anything. Beanstalk actually, if you're going to try to like attack the system, takes away your biggest weapon, right? Your biggest weapon is the DPEG. But in the case of Beanstalk, the DPEG is par for the course. Mm-hmm. And the DPEG, unless you actually kill the system in the DPEG, makes it even stronger next time. Interesting. Yeah. Also, just to just to chime in real quick, the the point or bean supply at which Beanstalk would graduate from the barn is more like five hundred million, uh, not two billion. Two billion would be if you if you sow beans, 
and get part oh, of the good shout. Mm. Good shout, guys. Mm. Sorry for misspeaking there. Yeah, great shout. Cool. Also, while I'm at it, I, I have to run at the 30-minute mark. Not sure about Pulis's availability, but just, just a heads up. But this cool. is great. Yeah, I saw this your message. Awesome. Yeah, we can wrap up soonish here. Jimmy just left, which is funny. We just had someone requesting to speak who... It's usually just a massive troll. We honestly don't let him up often, but every now and then has some good questions. And I was going to let him up because I think he would have had insight, but I think I took too long and he figured I was just ignoring him. <laughs> so that's too bad. Um, okay. Okay. Interesting. This is all like, this is one of those things where even though I kind of understand it now, like I could go give a simplified version of this to someone after this call if they wanted it's still just kind of fundamentally so different from existing systems that I'm, I'm very much second guessing. I'm like, wait, okay, do I actually have my mind wrapped around it? Um, it's, it's definitely one of, this is like actually for me, the example of the fascinating type of shit that you can do with like this distributed ledger tech, be it blockchain or whatever else. Um, I don't even know how to quite put into words what I mean, but it's it's this weird abstraction of various values and functions and systems from traditional financial systems kind of put together in a way that I don't even think would be possible for someone to look down or, or put sit down and be like, is this going to work long term or not? It kind of just needs to be tested and, and see and I'm sure I'm pretty ignorant in saying that, but it's just really fascinating. Like no, this right. has been a really, right. really that's, interesting call. Yeah. That's why we are comfortable working, you know, on this experiment that may fail. It's because like fundamentally the only way to even test the stuff is out. Like the theory only goes so far. Like these are behavioral systems. And to your point about like, this is an implementation of like, some of the crazy stuff you can create. You can think of it as like the product of appreciating the Ethereum network as a blank canvas. Like the, the yeah, we, we took it as a blank canvas to solve like a fundamental problem where you can encode whatever rules you can think of that solve the problem. And it's like, there's a lot of big problems that need out of the outside of the box solutions today and yeah. we 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 recognize this is this, certainly outside of the box <laughs> yeah this may not be like the solution to the problem but we really do feel like this 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 is in the direction of yes at of the very least it's a step it's a we're, good we're step tr- yeah that's and frankly like that's all we're just trying to take the next step and it's like hopefully we take the next step after that and when we say we mean, we mean like collectively like we all everyone that's on the the beanstalk train at this point or a part of the Dow, however you want to think about it. Yeah. The goal is to like, just make the next step. And then we go from there. Cause it's too, it's too big of a problem to be like, yeah, we're going to solve every single part of the problem right now. Hmm. So I guess one of my last big questions would kind of be a, a more open-ended, like for the future one. I don't even know if it'd be possible with the exact current model because the curve pool is such a crucial part of the the system. But like the way this is all set up is 
it's kind of taking the idea that I think Luna like half embraced with the UST mechanic of as long as there's a buyer for something, it has value. Just like as simple as that. Kind of like what I said about Tether earlier. But it's just going going full force with it to kind of create almost like a, a pure form of money that's that's driven and backed by the only thing money's even used for in the first place, which is buying and selling. And so it makes me wonder if you might want to expand in the future or alter rather to not be USD pegged, be some kind of stable store of value, whatever that might mean, but that is just stable in its own right. And I don't know what that would look like, but like, I know a lot of people have turned the discussion on recently about like, should we be pegging everything to the USD? It's certainly convenient, but does it actually offer the long-term benefits we're looking for? Blah, blah, blah. What are your thoughts on that? Like USD peg in, in general. So if you think about like each bean as a liability of the system, this goes back to like businesses wanting to denominate their loans and things that are inflationary or low volatility versus highly deflationary. Yeah. Like in theory, you could have a version of beanstalk pegged to Bitcoin, but it's like, that's going to be a way harder peg to keep than mm. something inflationary like the dollar. Oh, right. Because of the way you work, you actually benefit from the thing that you're tracking being inflationary in a way. At the margin, certainly. Yeah. And so it's like, even if the model may be good enough to work for one like asset with a given rate of inflation, it may not work for another one that's highly deflationary like Bitcoin. And so given that, there, this goes back to like the experimentation that is happening in real time, there's an open question as to whether there will be in the future multiple beanstalk that each have uh, you know, a, 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 an asset, a stable coin that is pegged to some different index of value, right? It could be the CPI. It could be something better than the CPI. It could be Bitcoin. It could be a stock. It could be anything. Or whether it's more likely that Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, beanstalk moves in the direction of having beans that are pegged to dollars and the cpi and other stuff and it's all right. backed by one it's all credit. kind of arbitrary in a way well well, it's not just arbitrary it's like whether or not like the system could in theory support an arbitrary peg the yeah. question that's interesting is will it be one credit one version of beanstalk that supports all the pegs yeah or will it be n multiple deployments and credits or something in between, right? Or some versions of Beanstalk mm-hmm. support multiple. We don't know. So we, it really does feel like this is the beginning of an incredible period of discovery around this. And, you know, to, to this point, we really don't feel like there's been a, particularly since Terra collapsed uh, 10 months ago, there has not been a lot of discourse on any of this stuff. People are not participating in discussion. And so we really do want to do our part to like, raise our voices a little bit more such that people start resuming these conversations. Because as I'm sure you can tell, when you get into the weeds, there's some really interesting and meaningful intellectual questions to, to like try to answer. Like this Oh is yeah. Not... There's some like philosophical <laughs> debates to, to be had here. Yeah. Or, or just discussions. And no one yeah. is doing it because you know, it's scary. So, and you know, and, and the so... last, last group that did it pretty well, blew up. <laughs> Yeah, it's scary yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. 
Okay, so I have two last little technical questions, and then we can just wrap up with a couple like more fun or lighter-hearted ones. Um, mainly center around that curve pool, because now the the full system kind of makes sense to me. Uh, the the pictures coming together. What curve pool is being in, and like I assume it's its own. What are the two other assets in it, or one other, or three other, or however many? It's just being and, it's being three curve with an a parameter of one. Be, so, I'm not I'm not super familiar with curve to know what that means. So does that three mean it's paired with a, three e curve? Is there's a three pool between Dai, Tether, and USDC? Three yeah. curve is the LP token for that. Okay, pool. so it's that so versus like a meta beam. pool. Yeah, it's yep. a meta pool pair. Okay, yeah, I, I'm familiar with like how curve works, just not some of the terminology. Okay, cool. So then, and then that pool, the three curve pool and bean pool. Does that, what is someone's incentive to take their beans and put it in that pool instead of, let's say, the silo? So you is can there, deposit is that pool the LP token in the silo. And the this is oh, actually okay. where we get to like uh, marginal incentives. The oh. number of seeds that you receive depends on the token that you deposit. The and so mm. whereas right now, and this actually, this, this goes to like, the system is depegged right now. Because the incentives around uh, beans versus LP is like not perfect. It's static. And there's this inefficiency around facilitating conversions between LP and beans. And one, one future improvement to the system that has been much discussed is having variable seeds per BDV such that there can be some sort of like automatic monetary policy change or like maybe this is not monetary policy, but some change in mm -hmm. real time or close to real time in terms of seeds per BDV that should help contribute to peg maintenance by changing the marginal benefit of depositing a, a an LP token versus just a bean. Right. Okay. And so the, the LP pool itself doesn't have native incentives. Rather, it's just that you can take the LP token and put it in the silo for... Correct. And in fact... Yeah. Okay. You know, whereas providing curve LP, like, I guess you can technically get some curve rewards. The cost that yeah, creates the that minimum, the, minimal. The, the fee is not worth it to Beanstalk because yeah. the fee to trade creates this inefficiency around the peg. Um, so the Beanstalk uh, DEX that is being developed doesn't have a fee. So hopefully soon there will be zero fee trading in Beans. There's no spread okay. taken by the AMM. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So then I guess my last technical question would be, actually, I guess it's kind of a two in one. So A, what I'm about to ask and kind of talk through and you can jump in and correct me whenever is how someone might like set themselves up and get into the system, the steps they would take. Uh, but then two, I guess the like bonus question wrapped in is, I, I would probably just go buy some beans for the for the hell of it after this. I think it's interesting enough. Probably wouldn't be a ton at first. I would do the whole system we're about to go through um, if it wasn't on Ethereum. Do you guys have any plans to go to a cheaper, faster chain in the future or even just like one of the L2s of Ethereum? Or like I, I just don't use Ethereum anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. So the punchline is the goal is to facilitate the access to the economics of beanstalk everywhere while minimizing the compromise in 
censorship resistance of the base layer issuer of money. And if you think about where the Ethereum roadmap is going in terms of becoming more of a data availability layer that is settled to, uh, one can imagine Beanstalk ultimately settling to uh, mainnet or the data availability layer, but ultimately having the majority of transactions that are processing Beanstalk assets happening in uh, one or more rollups. And then there's a like a separate question as to how to bridge th- those those assets across other networks and well i'm also just trying to figure out like in your current setup i I feel like cross-chain like bridging stuff wouldn't work because like let's say we wanted to get bean in the cosmos here you would basically have to bridge over a bunch of bean through one of our axlar bridges and like set up a liquidity pool on osmosis let's say which is one of the dexes here um but like why would you ever want to do that? Because it's not the curve pool. It's not efficient. You can't take that LP token and go like, and also it's just. Exactly. Is it, is it by, could someone go just open up a bean pool on Uniswap? There's nothing that's stopping someone from doing so, right? Correct. Anyone can always deploy a pool, but there's a question of, will that pool be whitelisted for deposit in the silo by the DAO? Oh, so that would be maybe the missing piece is like, if we were to do something like that example, basically you would whitelist the Osmosis LP token through the bridge of choice to work with the silo. Correct. Like in this so theoretical you could world. do it. Oh, okay. You could bridge the beans, add the LP, bridge the LP back, and then deposit the LP. Like things like mm. that can start to happen. But... Um, but why not just do like a whole new deployment maybe well, for each this, chain? Is that, th- th- well, this is the issue. If you have a whole new deployment, you are likely uh, splitting the credit yeah. of the system. Yeah. And so like, these are the fundamental economics questions. It's like, well, do you just deploy, you know, uh, 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 do you deploy separate versions? Do you spend the time to try to integrate the versions across all the environments? You know, it's probably going to end up being, that you so, have some groups doing one and some groups doing the other. How familiar are you with IBC? Um, and then I'm not familiar with this next one, but like the way Polkadot and or Avalanche like sub things work. The reason I ask is because like here in the cosmos, our chains aren't connected with bridges, so to speak, as the bridges are built into the chain at a base level. And so what's starting to roll out now is like actual smart contract cross communication between chains. So like, let's pretend Ethereum was a Cosmos chain, or let's just pretend we're two years in the future and Ethereum is turned on IBC, which there are teams working to do. Um, In theory, then you could still have it all be automated and decentralized and like not have to trust a bridge because your deployment on Osmosis could just easily talk to the main silo, even if that's on a different chain. Are you kind of like A, at all aware about that stuff in Cosmos or B, explored like Polkadot and Avalanche as other potential options for that sort of setup? Or maybe I'm totally missing something, but. Yeah, we, we, we're in the process of really trying to do our homework uh, to figure out like what the three to five year 
integration with all the networks and you know rollups looks like uh would say that thus far the thing that stands out as the most compelling uh direction to take here is around shared security and have found a lot of the work happening mm. with uh, eigenlayer to be incredibly compelling because ultimately, I mean, here's where we see this going. The goal is to facilitate real economic activity in any cryptocurrency. If beans are the best cryptocurrency, maybe the economic activity will happen in beans, but you can't have real economic activity in beans only. You have to have the ability for economic activity to happen in a permissionless setting. And currently, Wait, I, ha- yeah, I have to build off that point real quick. Yeah. So, like, just just saying, you know, maybe it won't happen in beans. What is the deal with the name choice for something that hopes to be taken very seriously in big one day? And is it at all paying homage to, like, the first pseudo-cryptocurrency, Beans, like, that came before Bitcoin? I think it was it's just, like, some company ran it. Do you know about that? Is this related no, at all? For, or first time hearing about that. Uh, yeah, so uh, just look up, like, Beans Internet Money. It's just some, like, it wasn't decentralized. It wasn't on a blockchain, but it basically functioned like Bitcoin, something some, like, company ran, some reddit precursor or something i forget exactly but yeah what's up with the name like i like it i kind of like the whole barn stock thing it even sort of works in a way like when i think of seeds sort or pods of, growing sort of. that stuff. come on yeah man, don't sell us short it, it, it's pretty good it's pretty good no it's sort actually of. very good yeah i'm bald. no it is so so the 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 reality is that like at this point it's very easy to explain how like nice the memes work and like meaningful the the meme has been to creating a great community and like it'd be great to like be able to say like oh in advance like we we really wanted the the memes to be a plus and we knew that would be essential i think that would probably be giving us too much of the benefit of the doubt uh you know where does the name beanstalk come from sort of unclear uh, in fact, the moment where the name you're sitting down trying to write the white paper, the moment Beanstalk came into my mind, I literally thought like people are gonna want to know why Beanstalk, and we're not gonna have a good answer. But it like that was just the word. But who cares? Title. And what the hell does dollar mean, right? Like I know it has well, Latin roots, it's, but it's, it's all just a word. As we started to go through and design the system, we faced like this fundamental issue around there are all these new assets. Talk about blank canvas. There are these new primitives being created that don't exactly map to a bond, don't exactly map to equity, don't exactly map to like what is a seed, right? So the the concept is it really as we started to fill in the words and need words and fill them in with these like farm theme terminology, it started to create this whole like a larger story that very clearly once you like internalize the the names help you deeply understand what is going on and that yeah, they has do. been incredibly valuable when it comes to creating a sticky community so harder to say like where where it really comes from i mean i do Rather like the idea of like describe how spending beans oh yeah how many beans did that cost like that rolls off yeah. the tongue 
No, there's a reason that this like other thing I mentioned picked beans. There is some weird. Yeah, it must good... be some piece of no. There must be some piece of history we all have heard about once or whatever. Where like were beans used as money at some point? Like there is some connection there. Yeah. I, I I don't know why. It does seem fundamental, right? Like it's so, yeah. I can't it's explain so natural. It. And this is kind of the thing. Like it just worked. It really did just work. Oh, by the way, the thing I was thinking of, if you want to look it up, it's B E E N Z, beans. All right. Might be interesting history to dig into there. But okay, cool. So let, let's circle back to my last technical question that I diverted from. So I, I think I might actually get some bean. Like, fuck it. I'll, I'll put some money on Ethereum just because it's interesting enough. Um, assuming the fees don't piss me off too bad when I see that MetaMask pop up. But so tell me, just jump in here at any point if you want to correct me. But here's like what I would do just based off our conversation. So like, let's see if I have a good understanding. I would go to Curve. Uh, I would, well, no. First, I would acquire some three pool uh, LP token, Curve three pool LP through just whatever market I could get that on. I would use that to buy some beans. I would then take those beans and put them in The liquidity pool again. I would match it with them some three curve. Just um, cut you off. You could just yes, simplify yeah, that by just adding like the oh, initial yeah, value yeah. to the three curve pool and getting the LP and it'll tokens instead of buying and adding. But yes, yes, like the point is acquire the LP token with value and then deposit it. Okay, cool. Yeah, the only reason I didn't say that is because before I thought through it, I was going to take the beans over to the silo. But no, first I'll actually use the beans in the LP pool take the new LP token, which represents beans and the three curve LP pool token to the silo and deposit it there where I will then get seeds and stock. At that point, am I kind of just in like a hold and wait phase or is there something for me to do with those? It's passive. It's passive. Okay. So So yeah, there just a caveat, like there is a like micro farming in the silo. You can like, because the the basically because of gas reasons, not all of the interest is auto compounding. So there's some things that you have to pay gas to start to compound. But it's like now we're getting into the super super micro optimization. Yeah. So okay. Yield farming. Okay. Cool. Um, but no, that's 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 like a good sort of and then so let's say is that what you would recommend doing just like as as a user or would you recommend rather taking the beans and bringing them to the silo like maybe break Uh, down the difference there for me yeah so we don't you know make recommendations no i'm asking you not as a project person as a yeah full full disclosure no worries it's like a week we what what we try to do is comment on like the you know we can speak to like here are the incentives that exist yeah totally. the point is that like beanstalk will pay you a premium to deposit lp tokens over beans so if okay. you are going to be in the silo there's some marginal you know return that you would have to forfeit for depositing beans instead of lp tokens now you may decide for whatever reason you want the bean exposure and not the three curve exposure but it's like, oh, you know, okay. So I was just about to ask, 
why is that even an option? Why not just disable depositing regular bean to the silo? But is that maybe the answer that you want people to at least have that option if they maybe don't trust the other stables in the yeah, and it's like that's the money. Pool. Like we, you have to. But be then able wait, to if that if that token off. fails, isn't being fucked? Yes. Yeah, so this is actually why uh, having a diverse set of assets that beans trade against is like very, very, very important. Mm, and okay, the like now we're going to go on a slightly different tangent. But the issue, the reason why there's not a lot of liquidity uh, or different assets trading against bean right now is. In the post-merge environment, there's multi-block MEV, and all of the on-chain oracles in Curve and Uniswap basically are not multi-block MEV resistant. And so there's this sort of like janky patchwork solution on the Bean 3 Curve oracle for now, but there's been a ton of work happening on this uh, DEX uh, that has an on-chain multi-block MEV resistant uh, oracle that will, once that is, and it's currently under audit, once that is deployed, you can expect like a, a Bean ETH pool and maybe a bunch of other pools as well. Okay, gotcha. So, so risk in everywhere. some way... Risk in centralization I, of exposure, risk in the oracles. It's, you know, so in some way, actually, having everything relying on that one LP pool is a kind of temporary weak point. Like that's something Definitely. you hope to, to grow away from. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, cool. And, and you and can then imagine so... a future version of the seed, uh, like gauge system that's changing the seeds for BDB to right. factor in things like aggregate exposure to a single token, to a single custodian, to a single asset issuer. Like risk management can be encoded at the protocol level. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. For the first maybe like 20 minutes of our convo, I was growing a little skeptical because I'm a huge believer just because you're one of the founding developers i'm a huge believer in the whole like if you can't explain it simply you either don't understand it enough or it's a scam but now kind of getting into everything you kind of can't explain this one simply because it really is a it's something that hasn't been possible or existed before until like we've had this sort of decentralized infrastructure to do it um yeah yeah i think yeah we appreciate you saying that because yeah it's as simple as humanly possible. Like we really believe there's no, but it's also not here. It's but funny. It's, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's as simple as it could be and no more complicated, but at the same time, it's really fucking complicated. And we acknowledge that. So, yeah, I, I think honestly, sometimes the, the complexity of existing systems might be lost on us because they're the norm. Like it's not like traditional financial systems are simple and straightforward well, this is the thing it's like the current financial system is way more complicated yeah than beanstalk. oh yeah beanstalk is like yeah. the reduction of like a hundred layers of finance into one or two so if i were this is just me sort of like thinking out loud now i think we're definitely getting towards wrapping up um but if i were like in your shoes i would feel like one of my priorities um, or even just as like a potential about to be investor would be making the second LP pool that is like whitelisted in the silo being one against blue chip non-stable assets because it's kind of interesting doing a like yes. I think the number one criticism of DAI for a while right was that it's just wrapped USDC we have a stable coin here in the cosmos which is like 80% backed by USDT, USDC, and DAI. It's like, wh- what is the point there? 
And in some way, your system currently actually has the same issue. Like it is reliant on other stables succeeding. So what's your sort of plan moving Not forward Not other there? stables, I... it's just other value on chain. So interestingly, now well, we no. kind of get Wouldn't to like it the... be DAI, USDC, and USDT? Because if something happens to one of those and the curve three pool gets in trouble, then suddenly Currently, half of but your like pool is in trouble. Hopefully it's going to be trading against Ether and WBTC and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, okay, got Yeah, so that's what I was saying. That's like, a, yeah. that's probably the next move is a non-stable LP pool. That there should be a beneath pool, God willing, you know, before the end of Q2. Okay. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Sweet. Okay. So there, there is some more stuff I could maybe dig into, but I think like this is probably a good place to wrap it up. We're going on two hours. I feel like I understand being enough where I might go throw a couple dollars at it, which is saying a lot given the complexity. Or not even complexity. I get what you mean. It's as simple as possible. It's it's complex probably isn't the right word. Just like fundamentally different. So you kind of need to approach it and think about it a different way. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw a fun question different. at you. <laughs> definitely different. I'll throw a fun question out to maybe end it on what's with the little bean NFTs. Give me the inside scoop there. I see a, a bunch of beans in the audience. Yeah. So they're. The BNFTs were originally an idea uh, to try to like facilitate uh, some sort of like community when the price was collapsing from four dollars to twenty four cents, and it was like sort of a you know I think it speaks to like how down bad the protocol was that it's an economics protocol and it was like what's the best thing to do here like maybe make some PFPs like kind of ridiculous (laughs) yeah but on the other hand going back to like the this is fundamentally a social phenomenon and a faith-based system like the pfps were were amazing because like the the way to get the pfp was to participate in the repeg uh that actually worked pretty well and that created like a culture around there were different tiers of bnfts hold on i I I really don't mean to interrupt, but I don't want to lose this thought. You just, for some reason, saying faith-based system there kind of just gave me a revelation moment where I I somewhat just became a bit of a bean bull, actually, I think. Because, like, the the thing I was skeptical most up until just a second ago, or, or rather couldn't get my head around, I don't know if skeptical is, like, the whole, it's really going all in on the faith that's what's backing it, is that someone will buy Bean in the future and that they'll have something to it. Um, but like, I'm just realizing that is literally all it, uh, any money is. Like, I gave a Tether example earlier, which was kind of limited because Tether obviously runs on that, but so does the actual U.S. dollar. Like, it is purely just that because of U.S.'s military and, you know, economic standing that you have faith that dollar has value. Like there is nothing else to it anymore. There's no gold standard. So or Bitcoin is, or Ether or any yeah, other so money. Like this what is you guys what have it kind of done. Money. You, yes, exactly. You've taken the fundamental principle of money, which is that someone is willing to transact in it. And you have somehow turned that into the thing that backs it and like gives it value and utility in the first place. Like, that's why it's so mind-fucky. But now that picture is getting kind of clear, and I'm, I'm liking this. Sorry, I just had that? to get that thought out. Does that, yeah, that... Yeah, I think we've gotten somewhere here, brother. Yeah. Fun stuff. 
Very cool. One thing I'll definitely say, um, a good move on the NFTs, though, I think like uh, because it's a faith based system that actually probably was like a tactical business decision in a way. And they're pretty cool. I, I love anything that's not pixel art or a monkey these days. So um, but yeah, if you guys ever want to explore or or expand into Cosmos or anything like that, like, let me know whether it's this account or the Tendermint Timmy one. Um Cosmos people are skeptical because they're not dummies like a lot of crypto. There's not as many DGENs here, but they're also super willing to explore new ideas and support projects that have like, you know, real meat to them. So look, very open invitation. I would love, <laughs> given the Luna history, some cosmonauts actually might be a little bit extra skeptical, but um, I, I think it'd be super interesting to see some more experimentation like this on our tech. Not to like shill it all, but just pretty much in every single way except for amount of documentation and other people using it. Cosmos tech is better than Ethereum. And you can probably say the same for like Avalanche and Polkadot and such. But um, now that I'm a fan, just open invitation. If you guys ever want to explore Cosmos, let me know. I'll connect you with some people. We'll see what we can do. Thank you. Really appreciate that. That being said, has there been any internal discussion, maybe a little alpha of like where outside of Ethereum you might explore first, even if it's still a little ways off? Yeah, there's probably going to, going back to the desire to create a like real economic activity, uh, there are a lot of fundamental problems with the EVM and uh, any sort of yeah. neutral virtual machine to facilitate real economic activity and we can get into maybe another time some of the technical reasons why that is but the point is that uh there will ultimately need to be a lot of work on uh like custom vm and uh you know that that obviously immediately uh like ibc enters the question at that point like where right how does how does this, how does that factor into everything? Yeah. So once you start talking about modular blockchains, you know, you have to have the conversation, and that's like that's yep. the alpha. That's where we're at. The discussion, okay. the thoughts are happening, and the research is taking place. And you know, at some point, so I'm going to say about it. Let me ask you this: What I'm I'm not a developer. Um, I'm more of an a sort of ideas guy, like project manager, marketer, but. I'm I'm somewhat tempted to like go to one of my dev friends and say like, hey, can we launch this bean thing on Evmos real quick and just see what happens? Um, how would you guys feel about that? Yeah, what a great question. Um, like not with any serious is... intent, almost purely a test, but also if it were to grow and you know be a thing, we wouldn't try and stop it. You know? Yeah, I mean the 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 only thing I would say about that is like given how obvious it is to us that there are further like economic improvements to be made to the protocol. Mm, like there's, yeah. a, there's an open, like in its current like, state, if no one yeah, was going to update it, it's to, not, like, if you're just going to put it out there, why are you doing that? Yes. But on the other hand, like it would still be good data. Like it's, it's all good data. Yeah. And so it's, I am know, more thinking of it in that light. Like, I'm sure it wouldn't succeed because, you know, we wouldn't data, keep up with the development. that would cost people money is the thing. Like, <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's like, on the one hand, if you really opt into, like, 
this is the wild west. Everyone is like free to do whatever they want. And this is just like, you know, the website will say like this glamour, this is a crazy experiment. Like maybe that's okay. But on the other hand, like that probably does take away from where we're going, which is really intellectually serious way of doing this. But like the concept of, you know, dissuading anyone from forking Beanstalk is like pretty ridiculous given like the nature of the environment that we exist in. And we really think the Beanstalk model is the furthest along in this, like creating a low volatility money, you know, game or puzzle, if you want to say. And so the idea that people are going to fork it is somewhat obvious. Like this is the latest. So of course it's going to get forked. So it's like, you know, we would view that as, you know, some sort of acknowledgement of that concept that beans are, Beanstalk is at the forefront of this thing. Okay, cool. So maybe maybe this will be the closing question here. Uh, might seem a little harsh, but like, uh, don't mean it that way whatsoever. Given that that's how you feel about the tech, why do you feel Bean is so like small and, and unknown? Is it that the exploit really set you back? Is it just that you haven't done much marketing? Is it just like personal opinion? Why do you feel like I had never heard of Bean until I don't even know how I heard of it recently, honestly. I think it was like Bean Bull. Some dude with like a green Pepe Bull. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I was following him for some reason and I saw something. But yeah, what why do you think Bean's kind of struggling to gain attention? Or maybe it's not. Maybe and maybe in your perspective it actually has been kind of gaining users and, and traction at like the rate you expected, which is a fine. So it definitely hasn't. Um post turning being turned back on post replant if you will in august uh there's been almost no uh uptake or adoption and i mean totally speculating here but would guess that like a lot of people are scared they don't understand why it collapsed last time and they don't you know they're not so eager to jump back in it's funny too like fear often comes from ignorance right and just like with something that's kind of hard to wrap your head around with this like even me at one point in the middle yeah in the middle of our conversation at one point i was like sounds kind of ponzi-ish to be honest like and 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 like yeah it does unless you really think about it and it's hard to really exactly stuff so which by the way i appreciate you you taking the time tonight. it still is like a yeah you need more people to buy it in the future so there's some greater fool element of it there's not a i I think ponzi is probably not the right word but there's definitely like that future demand element a greater fool element but yeah i think you can say that about anything too like even the u.s dollar you can say it just to replace the word buyer with people being born in the country right using it like sure something like that totally okay man well this is really awesome are you are you yourself, like, I know you said three people are kind of publi, publi, how do you pronounce it? We said I know Publius. you said this. Okay, Publius, cool. Um, are you sort of the, like, face and vocal person? Are the other people known in the community, or? I do most of the talking. I'm also not a dev, so uh, one of the other ones is, a, like, a world-class developer, and he does a lot of the technical talking. And, cool. yeah, the three of us sort of roll 
you know, pretty, pretty tight. So the other two are just waiting for, for me to come uh, so we can go get some dinner. Well, I will let you get to them then in that case. And um, this has been awesome. This has been a, two hours of pretty deep, deep convo. I'm actually pretty surprised at our turnout tonight. Uh, like last week we had a hundred people. Um, and I thought with the recent USDC, you know, happenings that this was going to be a really popular space but uh terror spaces you might have seen in here has been recording he like catalog categorizes and catalogs everything a lot of people will probably listen to this after the fact and honestly i'd love to maybe do another space a, a couple months in the future and see if we can't get a better audience um might have just been an unlucky turnout tonight but i think this is really interesting i'd love to i'll, I'll personally keep tabs on you guys but um yeah, really open offer. Like, if you ever want to explore Cosmos or do anything, let me know because I'd love to. Honestly, at this point, I am already sold enough where I kind of want to see the Bean Vision succeed. So, uh, you've made a Bean ally ally tonight. Uh, thank you, sir. It's uh, yeah, we're we're just doing our 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 you know doing our best here. So, thank you very much, and uh, this I has love been it. a this has been a wonderful uh. A wonderful spaces, sir. So thank you for the hospitality. Absolutely. Appreciate you joining and sitting through some of my questions. Um, if, I, if I get the time, I honestly might test myself and my understanding by doing a little like thread write-up. That'll also serve as a cool summary for everyone who doesn't want to sit through this two-hour space but might be curious. So really appreciate the time here. Um, thank Guy for me. I know he didn't uh, contribute too much, but just for making the time to be here. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to what you guys are doing. I'm probably going to go pick up a couple beans just for the hell of it. All right, sir. Talk soon. All right. Everybody else, have a great night. Thanks for joining. Uh, catch us next week. We're going to be chatting with Leap Wallet. Um, same day, different time, I think. So uh, just stay tuned for the announcement on that. And uh, all the bean people, I think there's, you know, three or four of you left in here. Check out the Cosmos. Hang around. You might like what you see. I think uh, building bridges between communities is the way to grow in Web3. So have a good night, everyone. Terra Spaces, as always. Appreciate you recording. We'll catch.